We make all kinds of connections, from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. Uh, we're a weekly talk show that likes to present ideas that uh, you can ponder, ideas that you might disagree with, but at least they are things worth considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with my lovely co-host and friend, Dr. Alexia Georgiousis. Doctor of naturopathic medicine. That's correct. Uh, exactly. Um, <laughs> so we're we are live, and if you would like to join our conversation this evening, which we hope you will, because this is open mic night. Um, so the toll free number is one eight 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 three four six nine one four one, and that's from anywhere in North America. It is a free call, and for international callers, zero zero one four eight zero. Five five three five seven six zero. So we're doing something very different this evening, and that is is that hopefully we're going to have you tell us what we're going to do. Um, in other words, we want you to call us, let us know what you would like to talk about, what you're thinking, what you're curious about, and uh, we'll take part in that conversation. So uh, let me give you the number again. It is a free call. One eight eight eight. Three four six nine one four one, and we have operators standing by to take your call. <laughs> so, in the interim, let me tell you. You know, I, I just want to tell you about a uh, a couple of conversations I had with a couple of men uh, this week that has, you know, was really just such a nice experience. Um, they were talking about their kids going back to school. Now, mm. you, know, yes. you know, in Ontario, we finally opened up the schools. I'm not sure we're going to open up much more in, in Toronto anyways. Um, and, you know, the, the one fellow, it was interesting. He said um, that he and his wife were talking about it, and he said he felt so incredibly sad. And I said, oh, like, why, why sad? And he said, uh, you're going to think I'm a big wuss. And I said, a big wuss? All right, try me. And uh, he said, you know, I've had a year with my children. Mm. He said, I get up in the morning and I get a bunch of my stuff out of the way for work at home. And then he said, I'm doing pre, you know, I'm doing homeschooling with my children. And then, you know, his wife comes home from her job. She's an essential uh, frontline worker uh, and they're able to do whatever. But he said, it's just been an incredible experience. I'm going to miss having that interaction you know, and I could hear him. He's like kind of choking and I, I, he's making me choke. And I was mm. like, wow, you know, and I said, you know, there's nothing wussy about this. I said, yeah. imagine if you and I had been able to spend that much time with our dads. Right. Right. You know, our dads well, were it, running off, you know, we saw them maybe on the weekend, but they had all these other things to do around the house. Mom's list. <laughs> you know, keep him busy. He'll get stay out of trouble that way. You know. Well, it's really so. it's really exceptional that people can have that kind of experience because I think for that gentleman that you were speaking to, there's two of them actually. So basically, you, know, you told me the same two of them. story. So, which is which is really remarkable. And I mean, I know some parents, and they've they've enjoyed it as well. They've also struggled tremendously with the interruption, the the aspect of 
of, uh, you know, trying to manage and, and that sense of really choosing that is it going to be my child's needs or work needs. And I think yep. this is helpful on, on some level. It also brings up a lot of fear if people are worried about losing their jobs or not performing well, but it can be really transformative. And it sounds like it was for these, for these guys you spoke to. Yeah. You know, they're just like, you know, normal average heteronormative, you know, run of the day guys. And I was really moved, you know, and I just really encouraged both of them, like to not judge themselves as being less than anything, you know. Uh, and, and when I said, you know, imagine if you'd been able to spend that much time with your dad. And, and there was just that look of, oh, my God, that would have been like amazing, you know, instead of like oh, the yeah. annual two week vacation or, or whatever, you know. Well, and, and this is part of, I think, that we've spoken about before and with previous guests as well, that this whole 2020 and then 2021 has sort of spun things on its head. It's, remember, uh, Julie Simmons, the astrologer person, was yes. saying that we've really tipped it from, you know, now this this triangle has reversed itself so that there's this imbalance per se, but it's actually bringing things back into balance around what matters to people, what's yeah, what we value. in their lives, right? What do we value? And I and I'm glad for for people that are that are actually feeling, wow, I I'm really enjoying this homeschooling. Yeah. Like I, I do feel for some kids though, because I think well, the young kids. I do, suffer. and I, I feel that you know some families aren't necessarily the best group of people to bring together to keep you know in a lockdown situation. Well, and we know you know child yeah. abuse is up, suicide rates, domestic violence, domestic violence, and this really is are. this is not okay. I just find that overwhelmingly challenging to think. How do you help people? How how do you how can you? Well, I think that. You know, why are you not beating someone up? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, learning some adult strategies to deal with your frustration. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and it doesn't come out of a bottle and it doesn't come by hitting your spouse. No. Or your children or your dog or your cat or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, how, how is it that some people have, have, you know, can be just as frustrated and have constraint around it? You know, and that is you know, our responsibility to go and get a lid put onto our our inability or our our very low level of tolerance for frustration. Yeah, yeah. 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 Our ability to happening. manage frustration. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, learn how and, to manage frustration. We're always going to be think, frustrated. Yeah, and I, I think that that there's also an element of um, awareness and accessibility of services. But for example, I have a, a, a one of my late great uncles who grew up in, uh, who lived in, and uh, in Greece, obviously, and, and grew up there. And you know, this man went through World War II. He was after World War II in Greece with the Nazis. They were occupied. He was captured by the Greeks because the Greeks had a civil war, and there was a divide between communist Greeks and the non-communist Greeks. So my uncle was captured and he was tortured and beaten and the whole bit. And this man, remarkable ability to be so calm, so uh, consistent. And, you know, despite the suffering, I don't know what that is in a person, right? You know, it wasn't like he was sitting around meditating and, and you know, trying to read books on being, <laughs> being a, you know, a more, man, like more, more balanced person. It was just something in him. And I, I find that quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, you know. I, 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 I mean, you knew him, so. You know, I did. But yes. I think that um, uh, Victor Frankl stands out for me. Yes. You know, uh, 
that, you know, his, his writings in the beginning of his own journeys begins in a concentration camp. Yeah. You know, where he looked to see, you know, how were people surviving? How did people deal with, you know, being in, being in captivity, being a prisoner, being badly fed, badly housed, you know, tons of illnesses that were wiping people out, to say nothing of just the threat of being taken out at any oh, point by and, and witnessing all of that, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and, and it's like, you know, man's search for goodness, you know, and, and it's, uh, he's a, or, well, it's man's search for meaning, but mm-hmm. is, is the book. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you look at that to think what he, what he had to endure, yeah. and yet he was able to turn that into something so powerfully positive. Right. You know, that we do, we do search for meaning, you know. Now, sometimes there's, there's an over-analysis takes place, you know, uh, like, why this pandemic? Why is this happening to me? It's not happening to you. It's happening to all of us. It's well, not and, personal. And exa- exactly. It's not personal. It's, it's, the, it's the planet. And it's also, if we shift the language into saying, this is happening for us. I find and that's that why I wanted to bring those stories up, you yeah, know, because yeah. there is some good things there. There is some gratitude that we can show around what is it, what is, what is it showing us? What can we learn from this? You yeah. know, um, and I, I thought that wow, th- you know, these are two people that are just so grateful that this has happened, mm-hmm. and they're they're like, mm-hmm. we really don't want it to be over, right? Well, <laughs> said, well, you know, I, I don't have kids that I'm schooling, so I really want it over. I want to go back to my office. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, I do feel for the for the kids who are not socializing the way that they need to be, and I think that that's uh, really hard for you know young kids and from the age range I would say around you know five or six up to even young adults right in their thirties because it's a time where there's more socialization. You know, you're out, you're meeting people. It's critical just the freedom. socialization. Really, it's exactly, yeah. exactly. It's, you know, it's our, our ability to be able to shift from a family of origin to the new family, which yeah. is peers and our, our teens, and then eventually to have that separation strong enough that we then go out to create our own family. Right, right. You know, when, however we define that. It's, I'm not necessarily saying it has to be like a man and a woman and children. And, you know, yes, we just define that, you know, right. as, we, as we go along. But uh, uh, it's just such a crucial element for children. So... On the one hand, there's a huge risk of sending the kids back right now, you know, and, you know, they are doing some random testing and, and so on, and hopefully it will be okay. But uh, I'm not okay with them uh, just opening everything back up again. Not, not right now. I mean, these variants are very scary. You know. Well, I think that, there's quite a you few know, them, this, is, this is the, the variation of a flu virus is a flu virus, you know, that's why there are variants. I mean, with this one, yes, it's a serious flu. And again, I still wonder where the comparable statistics are from previous flus. And I know that there's a lot of debate and, and well, I'm not really an expert. Well, well, I'm not, well, a, I'm not an expert in these numbers, but I think that again, I don't find the media is sharing the information that is really that helpful it's the same message that's there but you know rather than focusing well be scared you know and and that is very dangerous as we talked about you know having a sense of fear and not not seeing that there are preventative measures that aren't a guarantee nothing is but there are ways to be sensible and respectful and you know absolutely so i think that this whole aspect of 
you know, what's going to benefit the whole has lots of different angles. And I think that's the challenge as well around, you know, the kids, what, what the previous opening when all the bars and restaurants were open before the schools, right. I wonder if that was a mistake where it was oh, yeah. like, oh, you know what, that probably was a bit premature. Well, the, the prematurity, which was actually, uh, to me, short-sighted, is, is that when people drink, people become disinhibited. And even people who barely touch other people now suddenly want to, like, hang off your shoulder. Hey, do you remember the time that we were, you know, and they're, and they're leaning on you, and it's like, get away from me, you know? Yeah. So that disinhibition then is, you know, just becomes a spreader event. You know, and that's what exactly yeah. what the bars turned into be, you right. know, turned out to be. It was funny to watch them line up to go into a bar every six feet or two meters apart, and and yet once you're in the yeah. bar and they have a couple <laughs> no, of drinks, they're all over well, each other. Well, that was the, the, <laughs> the craziness of it. It's like it's like you know you have to wear the mask when you come in, and then when you're sitting at your table, you can take it off. I found those right. inconsistencies to be also contributing to people's sense of confusion and lack of safety because when you have inconsistency as we know it just completely annihilates a feeling of trust and just, well or people are overly trusting and they're relying upon you know sort of uh, whatever's going on inside the restaurant to be right now creating this new norm which was not necessarily a safe norm well exactly and you bring up a very good point because i think that this is also teaching everyone hopefully all of us that we have to take responsibility for ourselves for ourselves and and really think for ourselves that's the other aspect is that you know think for yourself and question you know what's what is actually being shared and just be curious without without it being attacking but just be curious and educated educate the self yep yep uh, you know the it brings up uh you know, there is another epidemic going on still, you know, uh, the HIV AIDS issue. Yes, yes. It is still very big. It is still very dangerous. There and you don't hear no much cure. about it. You don't hear That's much about it. That's just it. It has yeah. been pushed aside. Yes, it has. So in terms of what you just said about responsibility, that, you know, there are, there were, that's being removed gradually, laws that says that if you have sex with somebody and you don't wear a condom and you don't disclose um, that you can go to prison. You can go to jail. There are all kinds of people have been arrested for this. My side of that is why did the person they were having sex with not insist that person put on a condom? Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, yes, he should put on a condom, yeah. but that person they were having sex with, he, she, whoever, they needed to say no yeah. put on a condom or that's that's where it stops yeah yeah instead Absolutely. it allows them to be the victim not accept responsibility for right. their own body right. and, and keeping it safe while at the same time insisting that someone else have the same respect and you know also respect them in, yeah. in a way of using condoms so yeah. you know so when I hear the same thing you know in terms of people creating norms that are to their suiting, mm-hmm. you know Definitely. the anti-maskers. Give me a break. You know? Well, it's it's it, it goes now we're up to two masks. Well, Eventually, it, we're going to have to wear the whole pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it goes it goes back to that you know the idea of what does it mean to be responsible rather than we have this system of a society that is layered in lawsuits, layered in blame, layered in victimization, and it keeps a, a sort of machine alive. 
the antagonistic that, you know, machine. Yes, and and it's not it's not an evil thing. It's just the fact that it's not the people. It's the system that doesn't serve yeah. anymore. And it, and the same with education. People aren't educated about the nature of ecology, the nature of viruses, and right. nature of the immune system. That yes, a fever is a good thing. It's actually a good thing. It's helpful. You have to be careful. That's too high. Yeah, is? but a fever okay. is helpful. You know, know that. Know. But it, but a lot of people don't know that. You know, there's a sense that, oh, my God, there's a fever. I got to suppress it. That's exactly. a problem. That's yeah. a problem. And, and yeah, I got to suppress it and immediately start taking, you know, aspirin or yeah. Tylenol right. with a cocktail, of course. You know, right. Which, right. of course, is my big, very facetious because they don't go together. Um, <laughs> that's why <laughs> no, they, they have don't. a black warning on them. Uh, the black box warning. You know, it really is... Uh, I think it, it, our responsibility is to be educated. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean get a medical degree. That doesn't mean a uh, nursing no, degree. No. It means just know what's happening out there and don't listen to somebody else who might say something in order for it to work in their direction. Right. You know, but we've got to remember that HIV is very much alive and yeah. very, very big still out there. Yeah. You know, it really is. Uh, now, there may be, I'll be curious to see when stats are out in a little while as to how much it might have dropped, because I don't think there's a whole lot of people going out there and having sex right now. Um, you know, it's like, no, no, this virus is going on. Anyways, what's going on? We're going to go to a commercial here. And uh, reminder, we're waiting for you to call us. Be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. 
Hi, welcome back. Um, let me throw that phone number out. I know you're sitting there with pens and you just want to write this number down to call us. It's 1-888-346-9141. I almost have it memorized. I've been saying it often enough. That's 1-888-346-9141. We'd love to hear from you. And let us know what's going on. What do you think of pandemic and how are you doing? I think a lot of people are just really tired. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The pandemic fatigue. Yes. Is that something you wear? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's transitioned. I mean, I know for myself, the last two weeks in particular, I was just sort of feeling this sense of heaviness and sluggishness. And I found that it was really happening in a lot of people that I knew as well, where it was a combination of, yes, it's February, yes, it's winter, yes, it's darker, colder, whichever. But it was a little bit more than that, where I think it's a sense of uh, whether it's acceptance or just that that prolonged pause <laughs> that maybe, <laughs> you know, is is something that, you know, you can feel energetically that you're being held back somehow. Uh, I, I find that I have to often when I go to the grocery store, it's a sense of awareness of seeing and and feeling the the fatigue in some people and the irritation. That's the other oh, part. Some of the irritation yeah. that's coming up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I'm, I'm noticed that almost right from the beginning of sort of people being agitated. I remember and, you said that. I remember yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah, and and I was just kind of blown away as to like, what is your problem? You know, it's like, uh, I'm sorry you're being inconvenienced here, but what's going on? It's kind of really important, you know, uh, in terms of all the stuff that happened early on. Not that it was necessarily the best choices that the government was making, but I think they're a little more in sync with, you know, sort of some of the doctors now, Uh, especially now that... uh, you know, my favorite Anthony Fauci is back in charge, um, and we get to hear from him more often. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's that that fatigue. You know, I get that in November. Mm. That's that's my mm. month. You know, because once now I'm noticing it's like, oh look, at six thirty, it's still light. It's like. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're moving along. And so there's more energy coming back into yeah. the world, you know, as we move towards spring here in the Northern Hemisphere, at least. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and so, but it's when it is going away, you know. And so November for me is always kind of a, oh, yeah, that's my hard month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I find, I find February always a challenging month. I think it's because here it's in Canada, I find it's always colder. It's a bit, that's when the, the, the cold sort of really hits in a way. And, uh, yeah. And yeah. and but it but overall I feel that this could be so much worse and it's not to dismiss the experience it's just that yes being able to notice that oh wait a minute there are lots of things I can have gratitude for um, and th- this is sort of shifting. Uh, on some level, but people are tired, right? And also when you see the news where it's constantly the same repeat go over and over and, you know, for my work as a naturopath, obviously I know that there is hard research showing that yes, there are things, vitamin D, CoQ10, quercetin that are incredibly helpful um, in terms of supporting a person who has COVID and also prevention. But of course it's, you know, it's just not being shared. And and I, I don't know why right. that is, but I think that, it's not to dismiss, it's to work co- co- cooperatively with conventional medicine. It's not to compete. It's just the idea of how do we bring this more into balance? Yeah, at times conventional medicine sees everything as being competitive, though. 
Well, we know, we know, as you we know, know, pharma, you know pharma, than pharma has a lot of, you know, they're, they're, they have a lot of stake in, in, uh, in, in keeping this story going. And I'm not. I'm not dismissing the the evidence. It's more the sense of it can create a sense of uh, nothing else can work but this. And I right. think that it's adjunctly. It's it's working cooperatively and collaboratively. Where right. it's what is good for the people, both the healthcare workers, the the clients, everybody. What's going to help the system? Yeah. Well, system. I mean, I think that it's it's a difference. You know, I mean, this is just my conjecture. The difference is treating something, something symptomatically versus treating something holistically. Holistically being what's at the bottom of all of this with this person, yeah. that they have this, you know, illness yeah. or chronic illness it, or whatever. Exactly. As opposed to let's take the pain away, let's take the fever away, let's take yeah. the vomiting away, yeah. let's take, you know. And so we have like drugs for all of those things, which is wonderful, you know. But sure. when you have sort of a, a chronic illness and... That's where I'm just such a huge fan. Now, if I uh, holistic, if I break my arm, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to come and see you. Uh, I <laughs> Absolutely, go, I'd be, I, get out of here, Corey. Get out of here. Yeah. Exactly. I want to go to the ER. <laughs> exactly. And and let them set it properly, yeah. and then I'll come over and see you and say, yeah. I need some arnica. I need some, right. you know, right. uh, whatever, you know. But you know, it's really sort of differentiating the acute emergency care and the chronic care. Yes, and you, and you made a good point about the holistic approach in terms of prevention. Prevention is medicine, right? It's it lessens the susceptibility and the severity of infection, and right. that that's the aspect. Because if someone you know gets COVID nineteen, it's like if they're they have a strong immune system, and again, no guarantee, but it's the aspect of. What is making people more susceptible? What are the underlying infections that are there? What are, are they immunocompromised? Whatever that's going on. And, and again, the other aspect is common sense, washing hands. I mean, I'm shocked to, to know, you know, there are, if people aren't washing their hands, that's a problem. It, and it with is, soap, not with, not with sanitizer. We're, we're over-sterilizing. That's a danger. If we over-sanitize, that is a problem. Well, yeah, and especially using, you know, antibiotic you know, yeah. um, and that kind of stuff. It, it is a huge problem, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it, what's fascinating is, is that the flu, for the most part, is non-existent here this year. Colds and flus. I, well, this is, this is what I find very interesting. Because you wash your hands. Yeah, but not only and that. The mask. People, the thing is, is that, look, we've never had a year where people have had a sore throat or runny nose and running to get tested. And then the testing says, well, it's not really accurate. We have to change this testing. You have to get tested again. You could be positive, whatever. So suddenly the whole thing is just a blur. Yeah. So, but, but the fear aspect is, I think, an issue because I, I don't believe that getting a cold once a year is a bad thing or getting a flu every so oh, often no, not is a, a no, bad no, no, thing. No, not at all. And, and that's, the, you know, that's the, the message that's put out is, is a lot of people are afraid of getting sick, period. Yeah. Without we trusting people, that. that you know, we, were, we, were, we were made to feel in the summertime like terrified going into the flu season. Yeah. Or what are we going to do with the flu season and with COVID nineteen? COVID season. And yes. so people are, you know, just like we've got the mask, we're washing our hands. Those are the very things that stop the spread in the first place, which just tells us yeah. how poorly we actually have, you know, 
basic hygiene as a part of our life. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, it goes back to the education system. And because we can't... Or your mom and dad. Well, parents, but some some parents, if they're working all day and and they, and children don't have those supports, but yeah, sure, it comes from learning and by modeling. So, and by modeling, so, yeah. And all of this is layered. If those messages aren't reinforced, that you need to wash your hands with soap, soap, right? Not a hand sanitizer, yeah, but soap, and not a sh- sh- finished, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing going back to you know disinfecting or cleaning the the TTC. Or, you know, public areas where there are lots of people touching. I remember, what, you know, being on the TTC and people are eating and, you know, touching and whatever else. And and you can, but we also, although, uh, as, as I sort of change topic in mid-sentence, is that <laughs> I think there's value to this, but we also have to trust our systems because our beliefs are, are very important. We can't go into OCD where it's a sense of fear Absolutely. and become living in a bubble. That is not okay to not trust our immunity. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true because it, it, it does risk it, uh, the fear taking us into like OCD behavior. Like yes. Just over the top, you know, yeah. obsessive compulsive behaviors. Yeah. You know? Exactly. We're waiting for you to call one eight eight. Three four six nine one four one. I'm becoming OCD about this. One eight 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 three four six nine one four one. Yeah. The uh, again, you know, fever and immunity do, or I'm sorry, uh, fear and immunity do not go well together. No, they don't. And no. and you know, there there are studies that show that when people are in an anxious state or a fear state. The uh, the sort of chemical mediators that promote inflammation, like cortisol, and there's yes. lots of other cofactors that do that as well, that weakens the immune system. Right. So cortisol being pe- a, just deadly. Oh yeah, and if and if if already if people are in a stress state and then you've got elevated cortisol, this is just like you know you may as well just be bathing in it, and your whole system, every cell, is picking up on that message that. It's not safe. I have to be heightened, you know, hypervigilant. And it, it, you don't allow rest. So right. it, it just becomes this perpetual cycle and, again, creates more susceptibility, which is why I love it when I, you know, I, my parents, um, both of whom are elderly, as you know, and my mother isn't really afraid at all. You know, she's, she's 88 years young and she's wow. asthmatic and she is not she doesn't have fear. You know, she only recently started getting the flu shot in the last three years because for her, she was like, well, no, I'm not going to be afraid of the flu. My father, on the other hand, is actually quite terrified. You know, he'll wear the mask in the car with my mother, even though they live together in the condo. Right? So she's <laughs> really? like, you know, she's it's like, kind of like Elizabeth and Philip. <laughs> <laughs> they went to different houses. <laughs> Did they really? Well, he's been living, yeah, uh, just outside of Sandringham or something. And, well, they did come together for quite a right. few months, but they're back apart again. Well, he's in the hospital right now. But, yeah. You know, I just okay. think it's kind of funny. It, uh, you know, he, he retires, and so he moves to another place entirely. <laughs> My dad wow. would have loved that. Um, wow. <laughs> instead of going to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, my dad retired, and, and after about six months, he took me aside. He said, son, I got to talk to you. And I'm like, what's up, dad? And he said, 
I can't go to the mall, the mall one more time with your mother. I'm gonna, I'm going to just lose it. <laughs> I was daily. Hey, let's go to the mall. Even though my right, mother drove, right. but she loved the company. That finally my father was around. Right. Would funny. they go for coffee or something there? Would they just have yeah, a coffee? Yeah, they pick something yeah. up for dinner. They would walk around. You know, it was just a. You know, my mother was always loving to go out and about, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, run into people or see people or whatever. But uh, he actually then went on. At, he, this was a very early retirement, by the way. He's not 65 at this point at all. Uh, he was in his 50s. And so he just started a whole new career, you know. Wow. Yeah. It was just like. What did he end up doing? It's in here. He went and he did design stuff with uh, people coming in who were doing home, home repairs. My mm. father was incredibly you know, knowledgeable about that. So they could go and I consult with my dad who would tell them how to do things. Like at the Home Depot. Yay, Home Depot. Yeah. That's great. So he was like an on-site consultant. Yep. Good for him. He was not a greeter. He was not a greeter at Walmart. Right. They wouldn't hire him. No. No, No, he was, he was sort of the do it, do it yourself, the DIY uh, uh, consultant for Home Depot up in the Barrie area. Well, that's that's great, and, that, and that's the other thing that this it. pandemic has has I think done for people is that it's allowed them to reinvent themselves and step outside of the sense of identity in terms of a role. Because for those people who have um, unfortunately or fortunately lost their work, that looking at how to have a different sense of purpose, but also it opens up creativity. I'm not, you know, it is scary. Absolutely. No question. But sometimes getting that push that we, some, we don't want, or we don't see it coming can be very beneficial if you're willing to say, okay, I got to roll with this. And, and, you know, look, we've all had these things happen to us and it's been pretty uncomfortable, but the aspect of being able to turn yourself around and, and create something is incredibly, incredibly empowering. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I think that was something that I really learned from my parents, you know, was that resilience, you know, like, yeah. you know, they, they like something would happen and boom, they were, boom, uh, they were off running again, you know, no matter what it was, you know, it was right. Uh, and adaptability. It, it's like, adaptability, it's adapt- right? Yeah, it's adaptability. It's also not uh, uh, trying to stay with what you think is, you know, your lifetime format. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's, it's, you know, or that this is, you know, we're, we're only here to do this one thing. And in fact, no, not at all. No. no. And, and the more that we can, you know, sort of soften into that and really go into a place of ease where we can let go of, oh, this is what I was supposed to do, then it does allow for more flow. It's like what Dr. Bruce Lipton talks about, who is I'm a big fan of, as you right. know who says that crisis precipitates evolution. And it is, it's an evolution of the self. Every crisis that's happened and historically, and I can't, I can't you know, name all those, those uh, facts, but it does precipitate an evolution and evolution of consciousness, I sure. think is a big part of what's happening in, you know, in hopefully this. in, this, in this, um, yeah. this crisis. Well, I mean, I really believe that when we go through whether it's a day of just being really internalized and quiet or feeling sad or whatever, or going through like a major crisis, is those are the times that we grow. When I get up and I'm singing yippity doo you know, and whistling my way to work and, and so on, <laughs> that's not a day that I want to be terribly self-reflective. 
Right. I don't really want to feel down or sad because right. I'm. I like singing. You, you know, yuppity doodah or whatever it is. You know, uh, what a wonderful day. It's. It's like those places are lovely, lovely reprieves yeah. from from growing. But it's the crisis that allows us to grow. Yeah. That's that's at sort of the the individual level, and then taking that out to you know a larger level like you were talking about. You know, it can be a potentially societal wide. Definitely. And I, and I think you're also bringing up a good point around the aspect of embracing the shadow or embracing darkness. I didn't because say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about well, darkness. So, someone, someone was telling me, I never really paid attention to the, what was the Simon and Garfunkel song, a song, Gar- Garfunkel song that was... Hello, um, darkness, my yes, friend. Yes. Yeah. And, and now it makes me laugh because I never paid attention to those lo- that, that lyric. And I think that it's really amazing. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, it's out of that place. It's out of that dark place that we all have the ability to go to. But we don't have to live there. Just to no. underline that. There's not a place to live. We go, we visit, we get whatever we need from there and head out. You but know? you can't live in all the light either. You have to have both. You, you, it's, it's true, but I, I'm sorry, I don't do well in gray. I'm already gray. Uh, it's not gray. It's not <laughs> no. gray. No, I'm going between <laughs> light and dark. Gray. You know, white, black and white, gray. Um, no, I, I agree. I agree. People, do, people want to do that, and it's a total bypass. Yes, you know? exactly. Uh, so we need to be careful. Let's bypass on into a commercial because we are at the end of this set and we're waiting for you to call and if you have a pen, I will say it on the other side of the commercial. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. And I'm going to give you that number again, one 346 
1-800-998-9141. And as I said, we have operators standing by to let us know that you're there. So we'd welcome your call. And uh, even if you just want to say hello, uh, that would be cool. Uh, so what were we talking about? We were talking we about gray. light and dark. And you, light were, and dark you thought and I was gray. talking about staying in gray. And, <laughs> mm, but although you have a valid point because gray is neutrality. And if neutrality is a state, then it's the most grounded and centered state to be able to be the witness and to, you know, observe. But also there's But motion. is that what we want to do with our life? I don't want to observe well, my life. I want to be an active participant. You're you're an you're an active participant because you still have to choose and you still have to act, but you get to be discerning. Yes, absolutely. You know the the, the discernment is, I think, a, a really important quality to go into a place where you actually, instead of using the mind and the and the the brain to analyze and determine what's the choice I should do, but, but bridging the heart center, right? And getting a right. sense of what does this feel like? You your so, brain. No, you go around, you ask everybody, what do you think I should do? <laughs> do you think this is a good idea or not? I'm like, really? <laughs> what do you feel about that? Yeah. Where do you think that comes from, from people? Because I know that, Insecurity. you know, yeah, yeah. Insecurity that we're going to make the wrong decision. Insecurity, and I think that somehow, you know, it, it, it's a feeling of um, maybe not having an ability to, to trust that you're going to be okay. Yeah, it's also very much uh, uh, a huge, huge, uh, you know, bias. It's a confirmation bias. And, mm. and, you know, and for people who aren't that familiar with confirmation biases, is that a huge majority of people actually... We hang out with people who agree with us. They right. confirm our belief systems. They confirm our lifestyle. They confirm whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A non-drinker doesn't hang out with drinkers. Not typically, no. And they don't really want them around that might be right. pointing out that, in fact, you know, you guys, all that drinking is not going to be really good for you. They don't want to hear that. You know, and vice versa. <laughs> vice versa. Vice versa. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The same way as a person who's not drinking going, oh, come on, just have a drink, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, that confirmation bias is, I mean, I'm simplifying it, but it really does color our world, you know. If you want a really big example right now, it's just the split in political parties between Democrats and Republicans. You know, they're looking for confirmation bias, so they all vote against you know, the, the impeachment with what's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate, I don't want to say his name. Let's not keep him alive um, on the airwaves. But, you know, they're, they're all sort of just hanging out, but they're voting along with, they're saying party lines, but it would also be then for a confirmation bias. They're not going to go and sit over on the other side because they don't really confirm your belief systems. Right, right. You know, so if I go around and I ask everybody, do you think this is a good idea? And then you start confirming it, then hey, I must be in, mm-hmm. you know, I must mm-hmm. be on the right track. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be refreshing if if someone was saying, you know, hey, let's ask the question of how did we get here? <laughs> how did this actually happen? What did what? Well, let's do a, a, a you know a post whatever Mortal. and and actually get a sense of. Because those questions, asking the right questions, just like case taking, as you know, Gord, when you, you know, you cannot work up a case if you don't ask the right questions. Right. And you have to have some history that goes with it. Yeah. Right. And you, and, so, and I mean, you, who, 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 I just sound like an owl. <laughs> the, the World Health Organization. Who? Uh, 
I'm going to do something about that stutter. I think I'm going to call Mr. Biden. <laughs> um, he got rid of his. The, the World Health Organization have been in China and they have been in Wuhan uh, to, you know, see if, in fact, this was a transfer from species, you know, cross-transfer. They're also, though, beginning to think that this may have come from somewhere else, that it was already in existence elsewhere. So, interesting. Interesting, because I just read this history uh, on, on one of the other works that they're doing. It's just been released recently, and that is, where did HIV originate? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so okay. It, it basically, you know, they said, well, you know, somehow or other came to, this was their original in, in Haiti. Yes. And, and then right. moved into the United States. Right. So they identified some uh, uh, Air Canada uh, steward who was pretty, you know, alive sexually, and he was moving around a lot on the eastern seaboard, and he was patient zero as they identified him. They even made a movie about him. Well, that's not the truth. So what they've now discovered in, tr- in doing this tracing, especially since we've been able to do genome, you know, genome, uh, uh, opening up and actually looking at the genetic makeup of the virus. That's how we know we have variants or a mutation or whatever. So by b- our ability now to be able to, you know, uh, quantify basically uh, the genome um, is that in the 1918-1919, there was almost 1,400 men left by the Belgian government uh, and the French government in the Congo, the democratic, uh, now it's called the Democratic Republic. Back then it was the Belgian, Belgian Congo. And they were not getting supplies to them. They were starving. They didn't have fresh water. And so they began eating basically anything that they saw, locals or other people eating. Um, and that happened to be Simeon you know, chimpanzees or whatever monkeys were available, that they started to eat. And SIV, which is the simian mm-hmm. immunodeficiency yes. virus, uh, uh, crossed over and, tra- and transmuted to become the HIV, human immunodeficiency. You know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it, it has been around since 1918. Interesting. In, in, in the Congo, and then it would have moved elsewhere, and then it moved. And, but it wasn't until, you know, in, in the early 80s, or actually it was late 70s, that people began to notice in the medical field that there were groups of people that seemed to have similar, you know, similar uh, symptoms. And so as a result, then, you know, then they began doing you know, a whole lot of research. But it's taken them 30 years to figure this out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So that it actually actually was there, and it, maybe one person you know went with symptoms, and somebody else said because of the you know the, the symptoms that uh, full blown AIDS shows, uh, and they're not all all in every person, right, right, would be different enough that you may not really notice. It's like oh that person you know it's kind of weird yeah. that they got this or that, um, and so it just went unnoticed all this time. So who's to say that this you know pneumonia, this like you know whatever. Did well, exists elsewhere. Well, exactly, and that's that goes back to my point about the education around the nature of viruses and what happens because viruses are very bizarre, and I don't know a lot about them, but they are bizarre things. They they oh, yeah, they just totally. are. They're but like half lives. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> but it's but it's again getting a sense of how do we sort of share this planet because viruses are everywhere and they're they're going to be they're emerging for whatever yeah. reason and 
then again, how do we support ourselves in a way that's going to be more in alignment with, I think, the entire planet? And I think that's a big question because, you know, the, the, the idea of a vaccine it's, is, can be helpful. Yes, and absolutely. But it's also knowing that what, how can you support the system? Because it's not a cure and it doesn't mean that someone wouldn't get COVID-19. It's just the idea that it can lessen the impact or the or the the effect. But a, a true vaccine is an attenuated virus. And an attenuated virus or weakened virus is basically meant to elicit a bit of an immune response for right. someone. But when you start playing around with the messenger RNA and things like that, I'm a little bit concerned because I don't know enough about it for one thing. But yeah, I feel like I think that No, actually, I'm not sure. I am. I'm, I, I'd much rather know because when they're using the mRNA for, which is what the the uh, uh, vaccines that like Moderna and, F- and Pfizer's vaccines are made from, or of, you are not getting the virus put into your body in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. What they're doing is they're educating the part of us that sends messages. And that's the problem. Potentially, oh, I like that part. See, I, hey, look, I, I disagree with that. We got something down here. Come on down and just smack it around. <laughs> yeah, because, well, the research in epigenetics shows that regardless of the genome, and, you know, if, I mean, I'm not an expert on this, so I feel like I'm, I'm probably going to do it a disservice, but it's the aspect that the, the, uh, the proteins and DNA, uh, all of it can be uh, impacted by the environment that the cells are in. So that's why meditation, that's why using uh, herbal medicine that can support the system. And I'm not dismissing whether somebody wants to, you know, have the vaccine or not doesn't really matter. What matters is what feels right for them. But it's, it, is, it is different. And it's, it's like, how much control do you have over your own cellular connection compared to something that's coming externally. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, um, someone who's a scientist in that capacity at all, but I think it's worth considering and being curious about. Sure, sure. Well, I think, yeah, my curiosity is more piqued with the idea of using messenger rather than using an attenuated virus to, Interesting. to you know, put into my body. You know, I'd rather be using sort of this, the, uh, it's almost like the supplemental system. They've been working on this for 10 years. When people say that, wow, I'm, it makes me really nervous to have this virus uh, or this uh, uh, vaccine come out so quickly. It wasn't quickly. This has been well, under, under yeah. development for like 10 years. Right. But then the thing is, this is the aspect of working on it. doesn't mean what kind of tests, who were they tested on? What were the consequences? What are the side effects? Because we know so many times that a drug is, you know, released. And then years later, there is a consequence that is like revealed that this this is the this is because of this. There wasn't enough research done or, you know, certain people now it's discovered that if they have this you know, genetic, whatever history, then they have this outcome with this particular um, drug. Right. So I, if, if I we feel had like to wait though, if we had to wait for you know these kinds of things to show up, it could be like thirty or forty years before we start to see incredibly helpful. You know, for every every one person that might have some sort of a hugely adverse reaction, a million people have gone on and. 
Polio is probably the one that I point to the most as weighing one of the most successful vaccines. You know, people for who sure. don't remember polio. For sure, for sure. It was horrific. Just yeah. a horrific infection. Yeah. And yeah. kids were left, you know, with you know, on crutches yeah. for the rest of their lives and, and spinal difficulties. You know, and yet here, here this they came along with this vaccine that, bang, almost overnight, the world saw, you know, polio disappear. And right. it's reappearing and, now, though. But what I'm saying is that it's like, exactly, isn't this interesting? It's why are things reappearing? Because but people also, have become anti-vaccine for their well, children. Well, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true because I don't think all vaccines are the same. And again, not I true. feel like I'm stepping out of my, my comfort zone because I'm not an expert in this. You have opinions, but it's a sense of I have opinions, I do. Yeah. But, it, but it's also not, not intended to be advice. It's the sense no. of, again, education is so important and an awareness of what feels right. Because when you use the one-size-fits-all model, that's a problem. Not everyone can handle, not everyone's system is at a place where they can, you know, tolerate and, and, and whose body can accept a particular medication or drug. The same right. is true, you know, because it's a, it's a, a dose that has no, it's, it's a, a dose that has no um, awareness of, you know, uh, someone's immune history, their body weight, whatever other uh, diseases they may have, susceptibility. And, you know, I know that we only a, have to look at a, the other epidemic of opioids and how many people yes. are dying as a result of not knowing, you know, enough about themselves and what they can and can't take. Exactly, exactly. You know, that Same has kind gone of principle. Substantially yeah. over, the last, yeah. over the last year, the number yeah. of deaths. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to put that in, but you know, I think you you have you know you make some valid points. Um, You know, with that's why I think medicine right now is at the threshold of being incredibly exciting because it's starting to gear towards people's personal genetic systems. Cancer being one of the big areas. You know, instead of just swashing somebody with chemotherapy, that there's actually some genome study and looking at what they can do. Well, the genome study, sure, makes tons of money for pharma because the idea is that it's like, oh, look at all these, you know, whatever, 120,000 genes that can be manipulated or attempted. But the aspect of, remember, there are lots of things that cause cancer and it's the root, it's a pattern because we know that all yeah. diseases are rooted in energy. It's rooted in vibration. It's it's not related, you know, something that's that becomes a mass starts where it doesn't start as a mass it starts as a cellular interaction and even before the cells change there's already something happening on the energetic level the chemical vibration but anyway we're going to pick up on that another time yes we will we are unfortunately out of time if you go to voiceamerica.com to our host page of things worth considering if you click on the banners for transformational arts college you will go directly to our website and there you can get information on, for instance, Friday night, tomorrow night, we're having our Compassion Energy Circle. It's on Zoom. It's free. Open to anybody who wants to come on by. If you happen to have that pen there that you didn't call us, uh, and write down the Zoom meeting number is 880-379-386, password being 314-703. You can get it, as I said, by going to Voice America to Things Worth Considering host page, and you can find out information there. Have a great week, folks. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you back here next week at 8 p.m. Thank you, Alexia. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Thank you 
for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 